Hey friends, my name is Joey Goon and I am hanging out with Deb. Deb, what is your last name? Barge, like the boat. Like the boat, Deb Barge. And uh, you are with Big Brothers Big Sisters, right? I am, Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. So we're at the Rays Conference in Nashville. We're hanging out in the beautiful broadcast studio. We are broadcasting live. Hey, Bobby Dean. <laughs> um, we've got so many friends here and we wanted to bring Deb on because you are, tell, tell us a little bit about your position. I'm going to actually move this just so we get quality, you know, cause there's a lot of ambient noise. We've got 700 friends gathering in the space. Um, we're trying to make the audio and as, as crisp and clear as we possibly can, but, um, naturally being in the music city, there's a lot of music going on in the background. There sure is. And there are a lot of very excited attendees coming through this space, which is fantastic. I'm thrilled to be back at Ray's. I have been here at least six of the seven years at this conference. And I love it as a person who grew up as an event fundraiser, who's raised over a billion dollars in that medium and wow. now get to be the chief development officer here at Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, leading in that effort, a nationwide movement for mentorship. And we are so thrilled to be here at Raise, but also to be here sharing our mission. That's awesome. I was a big brother in college. You just checked my box. Yes. I don't go anywhere without crossing folks where I was a big, I was a little, I was a parent a little, I'm, I'm done, I can go home now. That's it, the episode is over. That's right, we're done. <laughs> So we wanted to bring you on because um, oftentimes, you know, organizations, they're expected to do so much with so little. And we've talked with so many directors of advancement and development and executive directors who are looking for tips and tricks from larger organizations that are actionable, implementable strategies that they can deploy right now. And you are in a position where maybe you could share some tips and tricks and nuggets of wisdom that people could take home with them and start to you know, implement in their organizations. Oh, I love that question. And I have sat in that seat of scrappy local nonprofit, maybe one to three humans running that shop, all the way to the national large scale nonprofits that I have lived in before and get to live in now. I feel like there's a couple things. And the one that always sticks out and sticks out, certainly here at Big Brothers Big Sisters is mission. Mission first. Why are you here? What is your purpose? And then how do we tell that story of purpose in a relevant way that makes it really accessible? Very quickly, we could quickly connect that, oh, you have a story that's, you were a big. And what does it mean to everybody else to be a big? Well, we try to translate that in a way for someone that wasn't a big to understand. Did you have a mentor in your life? Did somebody make a difference for you? And for every single one of our missions, if we can bring that a little more human, mm. we can bring it down to the level that I can connect to. Why does it matter for me that sort of what's in it for me mantra? It's what makes such a big impact on how you can break through because there's a lot of noise right now. Yeah. So how are we telling our story that's relevant in real time with what's happening in society, what's happening in the news, what's happening in our communities so that our nonprofit, no matter what the size, can stand out because it's a lot to break through. That's... Yeah, that's fantastic. Fantastic advice is like really honing in on on your story. And um, I love the beauty and the art of storytelling. And when you're not just connecting people to their own like anecdotal experience, their own experiences from the past, but um, bringing in the like, just kind of like zooming out for a moment. So many in, in 
you know this from personal experience, being a, a fundraiser who's brought in a billion dollars, which is that's that's freaking incredible. Can we just like take a moment to acknowledge there that? Are, there are many of me's out there, and I do. There's only one of you. Team. Well, there are many folks like me out there, but yes. we we are so fortunate to get to do this work. And what I love about this race conference is a few years ago, we made the word fundraiser a prideful word instead of a dirty word. Mm. And for those of us that choose this as our careers, that's exciting. That that's is really exciting. Thing. How many how many nonprofits do you feel have an opportunity to not just connect people with the mission when it comes to their story, but to connect them with each other? Because like, I just walked up to you, you and Josh knew each other. Like, so I just interviewed Josh from, from Bloomerang. And I mean, we started playing geography, like we're both Jewish. So it's like Jewish geography. Like everyone I knew is like, you know, his cousins and it's like, oh my God. But I mean, in this space, it's almost like we're playing that type of geography. Like everybody knows everybody. And it's like people come to events for the content, but they come back for the community. How important is that in fundraising? It is everything in fundraising. We are, and it's not just fundraising. The missions that we stand for, the mission I stand for, it's a relationship game. We are here in my mission to build relationships between young people and adults, between those young people and their parents, between those parents and their community. We are here for the purpose of relationship. And here in this room with all these folks around us, we're a community in ourselves. In the nonprofit space, there are thousands of us that choose to serve our career in this way, to give back to cause in this way. And this way might be raising money because I am not the person that should be the match support specialist. I am not the person that should be showing up with the young people and the parents, but I am the person that can fuel that work as a fundraiser. And that's what we're surrounded by today. It's a whole lot of folks that want to fuel the good that's happening for the people we're trying to serve, for the communities we care about, because we're all in the people business yeah. And that's all about relationships. So every single one of us, it should be human to human. Folks know that know me, know I'm a big fan of the word human. And I keep saying, let's be, let's be better humans. Let's be human first. If we do that, then all of a sudden this connection is so much easier. Our, our goal of raising money is so much easier because I see you as a person, not as a wallet, not even as a donor, but as the human that you are. That's awesome. I love that. It's like giving up being impressive for just being authentic. I love that word authentic. Um, why is, you mentioned a moment ago that you, you know, that, that fundraising has sort of a negative connotation to it. Why? That's a great question. There was a time when much like being a salesman used to have a negative connotation that being a fundraiser meant that all you did was ask for money. And so there's a whole lot of folks that got rid of that term that didn't want to be known as a fundraiser. Nothing shut a person up more on an airplane than me saying, oh, I'm a fundraiser. And they would immediately turn away and not want to talk to me. Because they think you're going to ask them. For you're going to ask me for money and I don't have money to give. But instead, when I get to say, oh, I actually work for Big Brothers Big Sisters. Oh, tell me more. That's a different conversation. When I lead with the mission versus the profession that is raising dollars, it for some reason has a different feel. And so it's a big aha that fundraising is not a dirty word. In fact, it's a beautiful skill that so many of us have and not everybody wants to do it. So talk to anyone in your program team. They don't typically want to sit on our side of the house and ask for dollars. We don't want to sit on their side. It's the joy and respect of all of our different talents that we bring together for our missions. 
I hope that we get to keep peeling that onion and not make that such a negative word. Instead, an inspiring word, a word that fuels. To me, fundraisers fuel missions. That's our job. That's beautiful. I have a friend, his name's Tucker Wanamaker. And um, he always says, the goal is to invite donors into their joy instead of asking them for a gift, inviting them into their joy. And I think like the biggest thing, so I don't know, you probably don't know anything about me. We just sat down and we're having a conversation. I'm learning about you, which is super cool. But our brand, I love that you said lead with the mission first, not the industry. Um, So our company helps nonprofits scale their impact through more impactful events and more meaningful storytelling. And so um, we, and I totally forgot where I was going with that, but there was a reason that I was sharing that with you. Oh, it was because, um, oh, it's coming back, I promise. And I'll, I'm going to edit this part out. That's okay. You get to but keep we're, going. Remember when we're, we're just giving up being impressive for yeah, being authentic? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Deb, where were we going with that? Well, we were talking about... Tucker giving up... Leading with mission. Yep. Inviting Not, people into their joy. Yes, I love instead the... Instead of asking them for a gift. To me, it's connecting people with their passion. I always say instead of, you know, it's not it's not a gift, it's an opportunity. Yes. Yeah. So I, I got it. It just landed. Yeah. It just, it just came in, it came in from... Uh, we talked for enough. <laughs> when we go to EDs or directors of development, when we go to event planners and event conveners inside of, you know, fundraising organizations that rely on events to build their mission and build community, we always ask them, what is your objective for this event? What do you think? I mean, you know, what's the number one thing they, they say? They say raise money, but that's yes. not really their objective. Yes. Their objective is actually to raise fans, to raise awareness, to connect humans to their mission in a way that makes them advocates when they walk out the door. That goes from, in my old communication days, we learned very, very early on, you build awareness, that builds understanding. And that third step, that behavior change or that action only comes after those two things. So if you leave your event and you have raised awareness and built understanding, whether they give that day or not, they will eventually, but they won't if they didn't achieve those first two things. So true. And the, we always follow up with that. It's like, is that really the goal? You know, and then it's then it's like to follow up to that, it's like, What's the goal then for your donors? Oh, I don't know. Never thought about that. Okay, what's the goal for your sponsors? We know what the goal is for you as the host. What about the goal for your attendees? What's the goal for them? And if we can get super intentional about why they're showing up to this thing, then perhaps we can design an experience that enables that community at large. But it's not until we understand why people come, like why do we all show up to this thing today? And uh, when we understand that, we can be much more intentional about how we create our experiences. How much of what you all do as an organization relies on events to build community and to, to bolster your fundraising efforts? It's a great question. Our local agencies do a whole lot of event-based fundraising and convening. So both things. Sometimes an event is not about money. Sure. Sometimes it is about collecting people together and celebrating the mission and encouraging folks to maybe become a mentor and see how it takes little to be big. It doesn't take as much time, effort, energy. You can just show up and be a persistent person in someone's life and make a big impact. It's my and beautiful life. She is great. And making a persistent impact here. <laughs> and that's a huge part of community, but for these agencies, like our like our nonprofits everywhere, right? In your community, gathering, gathering people in person to do a fundraising event is a yes always. 
every one of our agencies is independent and they need to think about what fits their community. And what I love about that is they can meet the needs of their community. They can stand out to your earlier point of how do you make sure what you're bringing to your attendee, to your sponsor, to your participants and to your mission makes sense. It's not so prescriptive as much as it is community centric. What do I need here? What do I need now? I just had the chance to talk to our agency right here in Nashville where we are at and they are so proud of a new opportunity they brought to life that's peer to peer at a top golf and it's a sort of golf for kids sake concept but it allows companies to do peer to peer fundraising it's inclusive it can be inclusive of adults and littles can join it's that's so community cool. raising and it had been a really great pivot out of the pandemic for people to come back and convene because we wanted to be together at the same time, they do traditional breakfasts and luncheons and galas like all the rest of us, where we tell that important mission story. We need you to make that personal investment, but it's really centered around, let's make sure you understand the power of mentorship first. You hear that authentic story, and then maybe you tell yours because every single one of us has one to tell. So true. I think about the people who have been most impactful in my life, and it really comes down to my mentors. You know, those moments, those conversations, it's not so much about the, the answers that they gave me. It's about the questions they asked me. And that was the beautiful distinction. It was like those questions and being in a room with those individuals helped compress time for me. It's like I could learn from the lessons that they had already learned. So that's why what you're doing is so beautiful and so profound. It's like you're giving these littles light and hope and 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 like they get excited by their future because they have people that have that are just a little bit further along in life that they are and they bring them up and it's it's just so beautiful so i just want to thank you for because i i i'm semi-familiar you know just being a big in college of how impactful and how meaningful the work is that you're doing i love that you shared that journey and it is so true. We say all the time that all we're doing is empowering this young person, is showing them opportunity and giving them that that cheerleader on their side, that so hype cool. person, as we say in the back, saying, you can do this. You've got everything in front of you. And we believe in you in every way. We talk so much about all the little moments that up, add up to make a big impact on a young person's life. In, in your story of those things that stood out as a young person, Sometimes it's that little word of encouragement, that little pat on the back, that little moment of someone believing in you. And 10 years later, you look back and it made a huge difference to you, a really big difference. It might not have meant that much to the other person, but boy, did it change your pathway. And that's why we're so excited about how mentorship can make a really big impact. Sometimes you don't see it till later because you don't even realize that little kind word you did, that little moment you gave really had a ripple effect. So true. What's the most, I mean, we're at an event right now, so it feels uh, pretty topical to ask this question. Is there, is there an event experience, whether it's within your organization or outside, that really stands out to you as like maybe the best moment you've ever experienced at an event, the most profound interaction that you've ever, or just maybe something that is like an interesting story or something that came out at an experience that, uh, that you've recently had? Oh, I have so many of those stories, but the one that I always talk about because it was one of my first. And so when everyone has that first, it matters. 
this beautiful donor. They had given the match gift for the raise the paddle. And they were so proud of their million dollar match they were going to give. And you know that going in, right? All of us that do this for a living, we know who our million dollar match is. That's not a surprise walking in the door. Sorry to all the guests that don't know that that's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. And we're sitting there and it's going and we've told the story and we're so excited to announce the match and the giving is going and everybody's stepping up to that match. And that donor taps their waiter, the, the person, banquet person who's serving them and says, hey, I want to give another million dollars because they were so inspired oh by what was happening, even though they knew they knew that they knew what was going to happen. We told them this is how it's going to happen. But their feelings were so intense watching it happen, watching us leverage their generosity to inspire others to be generous. They tapped their banquet server and said, I want to give another million dollars. The poor banquet server was beside themselves. Like, I, I don't know what to do with this information. But it was such a meaningful moment because that's the kind of environment you want to create is this environment that even when you've already given, you can't wait to give again because it means so much. I, I love that. Like, how do we create that environment? What makes an environment that's ripe for those conditions? There's a lot of pre-work to, to create an environment when the person that shows up at your event is ready to be generous, is ready to open their heart. We have done a lot of work ahead of time. We've mm -hmm. prepared them for what they're walking into. Even if they're a guest of Joe and Joe's inviting a whole lot of folks we don't know, we have made sure they know who is this mission? Why does it matter to Joe? Actually, it doesn't matter why it matters to society. It does matter why it mattered to Joe. Because that personal connection to the human that invited you all of a sudden makes this real. Oh, Joe is a big. So I'm coming because Joe does this every Saturday and goes and hangs out with their little. And I didn't know about it, but I'm excited Joe's invited me. And then when that moment comes and I hear the real story from the stage, it's not just Joe. Now I'm getting the next person's story, another real life voice. Maybe it's the mom telling the story at the stage. It all of a sudden becomes even more real because it's not just this fictitious thing out in the world. It is this thing that's connected to a human I know, and I get to live it and experience it in the room. And don't forget, when I've arrived, there's probably a little greeting me at the escalator. There's probably folks saying goodnight to me at the end of the day. There's probably a beautiful image of someone at my table reminded throughout in their voice and in their eyes why this matters. And the more we can do that, those people leave feeling that inspiration and, and motivated. Like, wow, I'm so glad I gave my Friday night to this. That. Can I share two tactical strategies that um, I'm sort of reminded of just hearing you share that? Um, so something that we recently did for an organization um, that created that same experience that you just spoke to was, and I, I hope you get a kick out of this. Um, and if you don't, that's fine. And if you do, it's awesome. But I'm, I'm just getting excited. So I want to share. So during the, and, and I talked to Bobby a little bit about this earlier, and he said the, the cocktail hour is the connection hour. I don't know if you know Bobby Dean, but um, the connection hour. So what we did is imagine a space like this. We had LED walls. So four LED walls in the pre-reception space. And they're like six and a half foot tall by three and a half foot wide. And each of those LED walls has a story of a family whose lives had been enhanced by the services that nonprofit was providing. And we broke donors up into intimate groups of 20 and they toured those four walls together in intimate groups. So they were able to not only connect with the mission, but connect with each other. So they're 
hugging and they're crying and they're laughing and they're making dinner plans. So before they ever sat down for the program, they were feeling psychologically safe because they're connected with a group of people. We can get into the neuroscience of psychological safety, but it was, <laughs> could nerd out on neuroscience, but ultimately what we were trying to do was connect people to each other and also connect them to the mission. And so when they walked into the ballroom, we asked a question. We had some really, you know, purposeful music and we had them sit down in the, um, you know, at the tables. And um, we, we asked a question. We said, hey, we're going to put a QR code up on the screen. Um, what we'd love to know is how long have you been donating to our cause? And they all typed it in and hit submit and the data was populating in real time behind us. And we're like, all the donors in the room who have been donating to us for five years or more, go ahead and stand up. And we recognize them in the space right there on the spot. And then we asked, you mentioned Joe a minute ago. We asked all those Joes. We said, hey, how many Joes are here tonight for the first time? Go ahead and stand up. We want to recognize you. So all those first time donors also got recognized and acknowledged too. And then we took a five minute, we did a five minute connection activity where we asked the 10 year donors to go and high five and hug and tell a new donor how awesome they were then we invited everybody to sit down for the program. So it was just like trying to come up with those, um, those immersive experiences that not only, again, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse by saying, but saying this so many times, but like not only connecting with the mission, but connecting people to each other, created those conditions where they didn't have a million dollar donor in the room, but they did go from 400,000 to 1.4 million um, and I think a lot of that was just by the intention behind those connection exercises, making people feel a part of the exercises. I love that you made it human. You brought in that not only are you here for a cause, you're here for the people in this room. We share that together. This is a shared experience. Yeah. You made it come to life for them. I really love the immersion into the mission in small group because not only is that psychological safety there, it's this connection to real people that have real passion. And now I've opened up your heart before you even get into the whole program and all the other things, but you're open and willing to receive. You've left behind all the burdens that come with us every day, all the work email, all the, he's taking care of the kids because now I'm immersed. I'm here present. And now being present, I'm going to be even more open to this opportunity tonight. Love it. Um, you mentioned before we hit record that you have some big news that you want to share. Do you feel comfortable sharing that knowing that we're recording? Yes. I okay. Do because we're not releasing until after September 14th. That's true. We're, we're not good to go. So we are share your big news. I'm sharing at big brothers, big sisters. We are so excited to launch our largest and first nationwide brand campaign on the 14th of September, which is the middle of big brothers, big sisters month. And for us, it's very purposeful. One in three kids today does not have a positive, sustained mentor in our nation. We're experiencing a massive youth mental health crisis. And we know mentorship is an intervention that will support young people and being all that they can. We talked earlier about empowering young people. We know mentors can help do that. So we're really excited to be launching this campaign. And we hope that you're going to hear about It Takes Little to Be Big in your ears, see it on your screens, see it in billboard around the nation and scan that QR code. Tell us your mentorship story. Who mentored you? how they make an impact? Consider being a big. And if you can't do all those things, consider giving a gift. 
all the ways that you can engage help make a huge impact for the mission. Oh my gosh, we got some brass monkey rocking. It's my brass monkey rocking. Uh, do we? Should we start line dancing? I mean, we should. I I skipped the lesson this morning. Did you? I I did, but I th we can like make the best of it, and you show me your best moves, and I'll follow. Oh yeah, I'm I'm out. <laughs> well, I'm impressed by all the attire we have here. There are some folks that are rocking some great boots. It's so true. Their hats. They came all ready for Nashville. Should we just like for the rest of today, for like the next two and a half hours, just do color commentating and oh, just people that. watch and yeah, describe great. to the audience what then we're seeing? Then I don't seeing. have to live it inside my brain. I can speak it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. That's awesome. Well, so look then for that campaign uh, coming to an inbox near you. That's right. Inbox, search engine billboard we can't wait and we're excited because our kids need us and we know everybody can help step up you can be a mentor share their mentoring story it's really important that's awesome well thank you so much for spending some time any last words of wisdom that you want to share to uh to the audience and uh, the raise nation fearless fundraisers i love my fearless fundraisers out there help us keep making that a wonderful empowering word because all that you do each day to inspire to connect individuals with their passion fuels your missions, fuels all of our missions. There is a generous community across our nation who want to make an impact and you're the connector for that. So thank you for choosing this profession. So now just to close it out, let's look them directly into the eyes and tell them that we love them on three. Ready, one, two, three. We love you. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining on the podcast. That was awesome. Thank you for being a big conference. You may not be anymore. Uh, I hope so. I, mean, I, hope, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Okay. So these are super directional microphones. So if just make sure you're like kissing the mic. Hello. Ooh, that's, that's that sound, doesn't yeah, that sound nice? Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. So I <laughs> welcome everybody. By the way, we are live at um, Rays, the Rays conference broadcasting here in the broadcast booth. Um, welcome to all the fearless fundraisers out there that are tuning into this session. I am Joey Goon with Utopia Experience. Um, our podcast is the Impact Roadmap, and I'm sitting here with my dear friend um, Joshua Meyer with Bloomerang, and uh, we're going to talk about things. Let's talk about some things. A fundraising, maybe a little bit. Are you sure? I don't know uh... if we're in the right spot for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. We are uh, thrilled to uh, be part of this. What is Bloomerang for all of those that are not familiar with it? Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, so Bloomerang is donor management, uh, online fundraising, and volunteer management software. So soup to nuts, uh, you know, bring your donors in, uh, uh, track it in your donor uh, management software. If they're volunteers, we can bring that in as well and then make it so much easier to retain, retain those donors. Is it a... How exactly, how does that work? Can you, can you like give me a little bit of like a, like a specific use case? So I'm a volunteer for an organization. Yeah. Is it a, um, is it an app that I would, that I could access on my phone to like know where to volunteer, where to be like logistics or? Yeah. So volunteer management is new for us and we are loving it. It is a very cool product. The volunteer management allows that volunteer. So depending on how the organization sets it up, uh, they'll be able to go onto the organization's website. Okay. Register. Uh, for that uh, volunteer opportunity. And then uh, the organization can ask some pre-screening questions. So maybe there's certain jobs that you have to have some sort of qualification to do, mm -hmm. right? And so uh, through that onboarding or that registration process, right, that volunteer will answer those questions. 
and uh, the, the volunteer could also have to sign a waiver if we uh, if they needed uh, the organization required that. And then the volunteers offered sort of time slots and scheduling based on the questions that they answered, right? So if one of the questions is, you know, do you have experience with computers? And, and they said no, well then no opportunities with like data, data management or data entry or uh, like registration at an event that would require uh, a computer, wouldn't, they wouldn't be offered those, uh, those opportunities, but they'd be offered other ones. So making that really easy. And then That's brilliant. that volunteer can then, uh, depending again, how the organization sets it up, there's some flexibility in this, but they can uh, then go pick what time slots they want and what opportunities they want. And so if you're like a Habitat for Humanity or uh, Meals on Wheels, right, where you're so reliant on, on volunteers, you can uh, then go in uh, and you can just always have your stream of volunteers. And let's say you're short and you have a slot and you need five people. Well, there's messaging, built-in messaging. So each volunteer has an app to your mm. question, right? And um, we can do push notifications. And so we can say, hey, we have five slots tomorrow morning to do you know, breakfast at the food pantry. Uh, you know, who's available? Um, and so it's bi-directional. You can get a lot of uh, uh, you can a lot of those logistics, a lot of those like the headache that comes with managing volunteers. Uh, it just becomes a lot easier. We have uh, friends yeah, snapping have... photos. Yay! It's actually it's super cool. We are having a conversation at Rays right now in Nashville in the broadcast booth, and uh, there are seven hundred of our closest friends that are in gathering in this space. So like the the ambient noise in the background, like. It's actually music to my ears because we're in the music city. Yes, that was uh, that was my colleague uh, Courtney. Hey, Courtney. Uh, she's like, uh, you know, get, snapping photos for yeah, the socials. Woman on the street and the socials. Yeah, Heck yeah. The, the volunteer management component is that's really cool because as a volunteer, you know, myself, I'll, I'll get emails from these organizations that I like to volunteer for. And it's like, would you like to volunteer? Here are all the upcoming opportunities. But that's very that's it. It's very generalistic. Yeah. Is that a word? Or did uh, I just make that up? Is it general? Right. I, like that. I mean, let's general is fine, but generalistic sounded smarter. <laughs> let's roll with it. I'm in. I'm general. I'm going to try and use that at least one more time. A generalist. Time. Yeah, in this interview. yeah, I got that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's like, you know, it's just like general opportunities, but it doesn't ever align me with my superpowers. You know, so you're basically saying you find out what their skills are, what their superpowers are, and give them the perfect opportunity based on their desires and their motivations. Exactly. There's nothing worse than, you know, volunteering for something that you're not really you're not good at or yeah. that you're like you're you know and so like let's get it all lined up and let's make it super easy for both the nonprofit and the volunteer right that's I think awesome there's so much you know and you think about this we think about um you know uh, george washington university where i used to live hospital they're uh, they're a client of ours and they're all of their volunteers think about all the numbers of volunteers that they have on a daily basis uh it's all done through the scheduling through, the, through that system but think about events right here we're at raise like so many event fundraisers here how many, and this is where I started, right? I started in event fundraising is there's so many jobs, so many that you need for volunteers to execute an event, mm -hmm. right? And so making that so much easier for those event uh, uh, fundraisers to fill those slots, to get to recruit those people, to screen them, and then execute really, you know, a flawless event. That's awesome. So you've been, uh, is this your first time at Rays? Or have you been before? Seven. Seven times yeah, at Rays. I've been to the first one. I, I, I've not missed a Rays yet. Yeah. That's awesome. There's very few of us. So I, like it's an elite little circle there. <laughs> so is there like a favorite moment or an experience that you can recall from one of the the the, the past Rays conferences or, or maybe even this Rays conference that really resonates with you? You know, uh, Sierra this morning was amazing. Like our keynote speaker, she yeah. just like delivered such an uh, an impactful message, right? Of 
just being able to overcome challenges, right? I think in fundraising, we're often, uh, you know, we're often told do more with less, right? And I think her message today of empowerment, of, you know, moving beyond the things that are challenged and, and, and difficult thing and try and push through uh, is one that really resonated with me. One of my um, most favorite moments, though, I think was when it was, you know, like, so around this, right, adversity, right? We wanted to figure out, um, so I used to be on the one cause team that sort of produced the event and uh, the pandemic, right? In that very first year, we we're like, do we do it? Well, we didn't do it in 2020 for obvious reasons, but we wanted to do something. And so it was it was a lot of fun to figure out like, what is our virtual event? People have been doing virtual events for, you know, three, four months. And we were like, how do we take, how do we elevate this? How do we just make this, uh, this virtual event none, like none other? And we ended up booking, just remember, we, we ended up booking a studio in Tampa, Florida, where our MC was going to be. Uh, and we had a couple staff down there, a uh, whole television production studio. And then in my living room, yes. I set up a green screen. <laughs> and so like innovation, right? So here I am being broadcast in, right, to in the into the television studio. And I was doing some speaking. And then we had everyone else on like Zoom. But it was just... You know, I think you go back to what we were talking about, like the keynote speaker today and talking about uh, adversity and how do we outcome it and how do we take those most challenging moments in life and how do we turn those into opportunities uh, that just go beyond it. And so there's still elements from those um, from those the, the years that we were virtual, right, that now have been brought back into uh, the, the actual in-person event. So I think that's uh, one of the things that I will always uh, take away from it. Those are awesome, uh, awesome stories. I, I, I love that. It's like, how can we, and what Siri shared earlier today was like that simple reframe is how can we not look at it as a problem, but instead an opportunity? It's hard though, right? Yeah. Because you get in your head. Like you get in your head and you're like, you know, I, how do we do this? And it's almost like you have to take that stuff back. Mm. But it's in the pandemic, we were just forced to do it. Right? Sure. Like there was no other other choice. And so it's that forcing mechanism that we kind of got to look at um, when things aren't going right. You know, I think in the software space, like being in the software space, there's that sort of adage, which is fail fast, right? And, and software uh, developers, they embrace failure. Right, because that means we learn something, and that's actually something I, I I tell my team. I say I don't I don't I mean I'd like it to go right the first time, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't land, if we don't stick the landing, whatever that is, the project that we're doing, we're trying new initiative, we're running a new marketing campaign. I don't ca I care less about if it doesn't if it doesn't work, and more about what did we learn, mm -hmm. right? And I think that goes back to what she was talking this morning, right? Is we're gonna get things wrong. We're in the society where we're like, we ever want, we always want to be perfect, but like, oh my god, right? Like, let's not we be could perfect. Totally unpack that. Yeah, I know, right? But we don't, we don't need to be. In, I don't think we need to be perfect. Let's get good enough, and then if it doesn't land, let's learn why it didn't land, and then how do we use that to move us forward? One of my mentors, one of my favorite quotes, um, and I try and live my life by this quote, but one of my favorite quotes that I heard from him is give up being impressive for being authentic. And gosh, how liberating is it yeah. to just go around and to just be yourself and not have to put on a performance and realize that everybody in life is really doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and when you give somebody else that invitation, like, hey, I'm just going to be authentic today. Like, I'm going to fail a lot. I'm going to learn a lot. And that's okay. 
if you if you sort of zoom back, and this is uh, something. Uh, do you follow Alex Hermosi at all? I don't. Okay, I'm not familiar. <laughs> so Alex Hermosi has a podcast, and he's this guy who's like built and sold many companies, and now he wants to help entrepreneurs like figure out the things like fast track like compress time by listening to me. I'm not selling anything. I'm just offering advice. Yeah. And his whole thing is like, think about life on a 500 billion year time frame. And if it doesn't matter in this moment, and it won't matter 500 billion years from now, then should it affect your mood? Should it affect you? And should you fester and fume and get upset that you got stuck in traffic or this situation didn't work out or this client or this partnership or this donor didn't give it the level that you were hoping? Like those things on a 500 billion year time horizon are seemingly insignificant. And then you can start to add levity into your day. And you're like, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. It's really not that big of a deal. And then to your point, we just reframe it as a learning lesson, a learning opportunity and move forward. It is. And I think what's interesting is like, you know, when Instagram started and Instagram culture, right? Like the pictures had to be perfect. Like everyone was sort of like trying to edit and crop yes. it and figuring out how to edit and crop it. Cause you know, only graphic designers knew how to use Photoshop at that point. And then the tools became easier and easier and easier. And then I think at some point people stopped caring. They just wanted to get the content out. They wanted to get the picture out and they were still getting the lights and the eyeballs and, and, and so on and so forth. And, um, and so now you have all these content creators out there, right? Who like, it's not perfect. Like they'll take takes and it's not perfect or something happened, but I almost think those, those moments of levity where it doesn't land are almost worth more than trying to make it so perfect. Yeah. So, so true. Perfect. So I don't, I don't even know what we're supposed to be talking about. I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> I, I love it too. So just out of curiosity, um, and we've got just a minute or two left here. Yeah. Um, like, why does this con because like here in this moment by the way there's a lot of uh clamoring in the background it feels like, like we're like you know we're at the orchestra there's like bells i think it's just silverware but uh you all <laughs> I don't know the, what the, what's happening next year hopefully you're all with us here next year <laughs> if they're able to be with us oh true because this sold out yes I so why does rays sell out every year like what is it about this conference like they're the, even at this venue, yeah. which is a massive venue, it's busting at the seams. Yeah, You've been here for seven years. What's the key? I think the key is, it's a couple of things. Uh, number one is when we were with the One Cause team, you know, one of the very first things that we were looking at is, do we want this to be a user conference, right? So right now, sort of happening in parallel in San Francisco, my hometown is Dreamforce, right? Which is a user conference for the most part for Salesforce. Or do we want this to be a fundraising we want this to be a fundraising experience, uh, a fundraising conference to help fundraisers, uh, you know, do more and feel empowered. Yeah. And they picked the latter, right? Like there is like, there is definitely a number of one cost users. There's a number of, you know, Bloomerang users. There's all, you know, uh, here, but the mission here, I'm not, so not the mission, the message here that I think really resonates and why people come back year after year is this, year, this, this vision of empowerment. Right, and empowering fundraisers um, to get out of their comfort zone, to try new things, and to the hashtag, right, really fearless fundraisers, right, and that's why people come back. It's not a, it's not one software company's user user conference. Now there is some user stuff that happens both for one pause and some of the other customers or the other um, sponsors here, but it really is a vision of growing and learning and sharing and having some 
good food and good laughs uh, and just really empowering and, and energizing fundraisers to go back and, and do more um, in their communities. And really, at the end of the day, it's the fundraisers that are uh, executing these missions, these amazing missions in each one of their communities, and we couldn't do it without them. And we're so grateful to have them. Uh, yeah, I just want to like, to, to wrap this up, yeah. you just brought up such a beautiful point that I want to piggyback off of. I love all of you. <laughs> like, this work gives me chills. And I know it does the same for you. Yep. I'm not trying to speak on your behalf, but you all stay empowered, stay fearless, continue serving your communities. You're doing such beautiful work on this planet. And I know sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees or the skies through the streets because you're in the throes of your mission. But please know from people who are here, like looking at your mission from afar, from the objective lens or the outside perspective, like you all are a life force, a force for good and your change agents. And we just wanted to like, maybe end this by loving on you and honoring you, just put your hand over your heart and just give yourself a little bit of love and acknowledgement for the beautiful work that you're doing in your communities. And thank you. Thank yourself that you're getting up every day and making a difference on this planet. I couldn't say it better. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you, Joshua. All right. All the fearless fun fundraisers out there, we'll, uh, we'll see you next year at Raise. Hopefully, if you didn't get to attend Raise this year, get your tickets for next year. I know they're probably going to be on sale by the time you're listening to this podcast episode. And uh, I'm Joey Goon with Utopia Experience. It's an honor to be uh, hosting today in the Raise Nation broadcast booth in Nashville. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers, y'all. Well, hello, Raise Nation. Welcome to uh, Raise Nation podcast here in Nashville, Tennessee on 9-11. And we are surrounded by tons of fearless fundraisers and supporters of fearless fundraisers all coming together to make some awesome stuff happen. Yes. Yes. And with me, I've got a great guest right here, the one and the only Joey from Utopia Entertainment. Uh, I am here. You're here. I I'm am here. here. We are here together and uh, this is an event experience. This is this is so meta. This is an event about events. It is. If you think about it. it. It's yes. Yes. It's an experience where we're unpacking what it means to host an experience. Oh, yeah, hosting, creating, designing, producing, and then following up after experiences, which is, I mean, that's fundraising at its best, and it's critically important. Absolutely. So. Well, I'm Bobby D. I'm here on the Raise Nation. Thank you to One Cost for having me. Also host a podcast, Heart of the Gala, All Gala, Everything Gala, and we get right to the heart of it. Love it. That's all it is. So, Joey, all right. So now Utopia specializes in event production. Yes. Talking about lights, sound, video, all the bells and whistles and knobs and wires and all the things, right? Yes, but I think it gets misconstrued okay. where people think about like AV as how many sound, you know, like, what kind of sound system do we need? Right. And let's bring in some projectors or an LED wall. And okay. which way should the wires run? Oh, okay. And no, that's way more than that. <laughs> that's like, that's a part of it. But for us, it's much more about how do we create the conditions where the community can come alive? Yes, I love that. So that when you get on stage, people are already warmed up. And their hearts are open and they're feeling empathetic yes. to the mission. Yes. And it's all about like, we can talk to about something that we call the 3C model, which we've borrowed from our friends over at Exchange. Tell me more. 
So the 3C model is sort of our understanding of why people gather. And it's kind of like, we don't have to get into the whole, um, like the neuroscience behind it, but people really come to events for three reasons. Okay. And so, and, and you know this, yeah. people come for the, you know, and we call them the three C's. Yeah. Again, we've borrowed this from our friends over at Exchange. It's just a way for us to make sense of why people gather. Okay. And so the first C in the three C's is they come for content. Okay. Stories. Yep. Okay. But content is ubiquitous, right? It's everywhere. Yes. And the way that we are delivering content has evolved. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be evolving too. Like we don't watch live TV anymore. We no. don't watch Netflix on demand or YouTube or Hulu or whatever. Yep. So the way that we're getting our information is changing. Yes. And so that's not the only reason people come. The second reason people come to events is for you know connection. Yeah. They want to connect with yep. other people like themselves. Yep. But the reason people come back is the third C. Now, like intentional, thoughtful executive directors and event conveners usually stop there. Yeah. They stop after the first two C's and they miss the most important part. Which is? Community. Ooh, yes. I love that C. <laughs> it's the best C. That's the best C. And community is all about the transcendent purpose. Yes. What are we looking to accomplish as a part of this community? And that's often the part that gets missed. Yes. And, and, and that's like, again, that's my favorite C as well, too, because it's so, so important to then have that community come together to do something bigger than themselves. You know, yes. it, it's, it's the sum of the parts is, is, is where it is. And you've got to have that connection. You've got to have that content to then really build into that, that experience right there. And, and just as you said about the content being so important, and it's not just the video, it's not just the speakers on stage. It's not just, it, it, it's, it's the, it, it's the story that is built by the content, but it's the, it's the story within the donor that themselves. Yeah. And, and each donor is going to empathize or they're going to, uh, put themselves within that story. And then that's where the community, where the village gets to come together to truly affect that, that organization, affect the impact that's, that that's happening with that. And for so many event pros or event planners or development directors, CEOs and whatnot, a lot of times gets lost in the weeds. We get lost in the colors of the, the, you know, the napkins, they get lost in the food, they get lost in the co-chair saying, no, we need to do this or we need to do that. And, 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 and then so much time and energy is spent within that, that it's that those three C's of experience that end up getting lost. Yeah. So how can we, as, you know, event collaborators, can, can come together to, to help make that community stronger. Mm. I think just having a knowing of this is like so many of us are leading these like intentional, purposeful communities, but we don't, we, 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 we didn't have the label of the three C's right. before. Now we have the label. Yep. So I think it's just understanding why people gather allows you to think a little bit more intentionally and reflectively about what type of experience can create the conditions in our event space yes. to help the full community come online. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of a particular example, which, so like when you walk into a room like this, you know, yes. at, so we're at, we're at this conference. Yes. It's awesome. We're in Nashville. We walk in, 
usually when you walk into a space, you're walking in by yourself. Now you and I are gifted and, and privileged and honored. I'm sure like the, the fact that we, our wives get to come with us to these yeah, experiences. Yes, yes. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not walking into this thing by myself. I have my part, my life partner, but you're still coming into this space and you don't know a lot of people. Yeah. The same is true of donor communities, mm -hmm. attendees to these galas. Yeah. They're walking into a space. Maybe they know one or two or you know, a table worth of people, but they don't know everyone else. And then we put them in a seat. We lock them into a position for four hours. And the best part of the night, honestly, the best part of the night is when you step on stage and do your thing. Yeah, well, let's give. It's time to give. Time to give. But the charisma that a benefit, that a true benefit auctioneer can bring to that environment is incredible. Yes. That's the time where people have the most fun. Yeah. What about before that? Right. What about after that? Yep. Can we create the space to make the entire event experiential? Yes. Because when you walk in, you're thinking some version of the following two questions. Am I safe in this community? Yes. And can I be myself with this group of people and still fit in? Right. So that's psychological safety. That's the neuroscience. Mm -hmm. If we understand that and we know that we have to make people feel safe, well, we start, have to start asking ourselves, great, well, how do we do that? Yeah. And the, the easiest way to do that is for me, an individual who may be on stage like the executive director or you know, CEO of the organization, the board chair, the board president, we all are impassioned with the, or we, we love the organization. But oftentimes it's it's great if we could step aside and create the conditions where our audience can actually connect, not just with the mission, but with each other. Yes, yes. And, and it's, it's creating that safe space, that, 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 that time of connection. Um, we're, uh, we're pushing a change of the cocktail hour mm. kind of name. We're calling it the connection hour. I love it. And, and, and with purposeful um, intention to create meaningful connections. And a lot of times, like you said, that you'll have your table hosts or board members or whatnot, and they'll invite their network and they only hang out with their network. And, and as a board member, as a chair or the committee member or whatnot, it's your job to now reach out into the community. Yes, bring your network, but it is your job to now connect your network, your circle with the broader network that is there and creating that true connection. And now not only are we making connection between humans, but we're also then making that connection to the cause. And yeah. then this is where content then comes in. It is the room design. It is the marketing that is around. It's the impact messaging. It's the sounds. It's the lights. It's the feeling. It's the food. It's all of those elements to then build that warm, fuzzy feeling that's in the heart. And, and I would like to talk about what the, uh, the, it's the event mountain, like you're climbing up and you're building, you're building up, get to the, up to the top of that peak, the, the pinnacle, the crescendo, which again, I coined the, the golden goosebump moment where it's all building. And that's when, like you say, when we walk into the room, we have to have the connection. We have to feel safe. There's the content that we're absorbing and it's coming into our brains, it's coming into our hearts and everything is building up, 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 up to the yeah. pinnacle, to that peak of that moment. And then happens, there's the ballroom entrance, which I love the grand reveal, and I'm sure you do too, that everybody's been in the connection hour and, and then the doors open and the, the band starts playing and the lights are flashing and it's this inviting environment that everybody's able to now come into. And yeah. then within a properly produced program with the right content, um, no BS, no boring speeches. We, we're done with that. Please stop. No boring speeches. Get rid of them. 
We need meaningful remarks is what we're looking for from the executive director, from the board chair, from our testimonial speaker, from your fundraiser, your auctioneer, whomever your MC is going to be. These these have to, again, be in alignment with that content plan yeah. um, and make that connection that's that that's going to happen and then having the assistance of a great production team that understands the the purpose of that we're not like you say you're not just there to make sound happen and make light happen it's it's the design of that and I love how geeky we can get about the neuroscience oh, nerd like like I mean color science is like a whole thing that you can you can again we're designing the opportunity to set the optimal um, experience point where people are going to feel most generous. They're going to feel most comfortable. They're going to have the most trust built within that. Yes. And with proper, you know, again, sound, light, food, drink, the right amount of drink, not too much, just enough. That's like two after two drinks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two drinks. Generosity goes down. Yeah. It, once you get to number three and you're on that third glass of wine, it's it. Yeah. So, so again, plateaus. Yeah. Calm. And then it, yeah, common misconceptions. Yeah, we don't need them wasted, toasted. Anyways, I could go on that for hours as well, too. <laughs> but it's that environment that's being created. It's the environment that then does enhance the experience yes. that, that that's there. And then the enhancement of that experience, just like you said, trust and safety built within that then ties into generosity. Mm -hmm. So what are some things... Uh, we love giving these these value nuggets out to our, our nonprofit friends that are out there. What are some things that are often missed once the now we're moving into the program, we're yeah. moving into the ballroom, we're moving into that main section leading into the into the fundraising? What are some things that, that can be enhanced? So before we move into the ballroom, can we zoom out for like 30 seconds? Sure. Because you mentioned the connection hour. Yes. So one of your fundraising partners was at an event with us recently. Mm -hmm. And so that see this space like this, and for the audience, you'll just have to sort of imagine, we're in this registration area, and it's probably a 25 by 50 foot room. Would you say that. that's about yep, right? Yep, yep. And what we did is we created these LED walls, these display walls. Yep. So imagine an, a vertical LED wall that's about six and a half foot high. Love it. By three, three and a half foot wide. Mm -hmm. And we broke donors up during the connection hour. I love that you created, called that, called it that. We broke donors up in intimate groups of 25. Okay. And they went and they, similar to kind of how we have all these sponsors placed around the room, instead yep. of sponsors, they were stories nice. of recipients. Yeah. So recorded stories of how the donations were impacting and enhancing donors' lives. Ooh. So groups of intimate, you know, 20, 25 donors would be, um, led on guided tours around the venue right in a in the pre-reception area yep. and then um they were told these you know one and a half minute stories at four different stations okay and they laughed and they were crying they were hugging each other and they're oh. like wow we know why we're here yes this is why yes. we're here yes and when they walked into the venue into the space so like they not only were able to connect with the mission yep but like we talked about a little earlier, they were able to connect with each other yeah. and start to form those new friendships and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. When the ballroom doors opened, all the families who were on those video screens were in the room to greet them. Oh my gosh, I have so many goosebumps right now. And so those families were hugging them, they're thanking them, they're oh, crying. Wow. I mean, it was magical. And so this organization um, was used to raising four to 500,000 they raised $1.4 million oh my at this event. Wow. 
And that's just a small part of it. The organization, a lot of that happened after the fact. Yeah, for sure. Because they did the work of picking up the phone and saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Donor, our goal was obviously to raise more money for these kids. What were your goals? Why did you come? What motivated you to give? Whether that was a $5 gift or a $10,000 gift. And then they asked him to coffee. Yeah. And that turned into more donations and more donations. But those little intentional things that you can bring into your event, um, that's just one example. Then the ballroom doors open. Yeah, so so I, I like to look at events kind of like a sandwich. You got the one piece of bread, which is your connection hour. You've got the meat and the cheese and the mayo right there in the middle. That's your mm-hmm. that's your program that's there. And then you've got your other slice of bread that's on the end, which is what happens after the event. And yeah. it's immediately what happens. And then, like you had said, you know, the great follow, you know, follow up and cultivation that's beyond that, which then leads to bigger gifts. So now we're kind of in that in that that peanut butter and jelly kind of kind of place. That's what tastes good. That's what feels good. That what's, that's what they're going to uh, be immersed in that shared experience um, that's in the ballroom. So I love building that content and that connection in the connection hour. So now we're in the ball. We're, 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 in, the, we're in the turkey sandwich in the middle right yes. there. What are some things that, that, that an organization, just as like I love the opening the door, the family that's there, but what's something that you think that an organization could do easily minus, you know, having like a giant led wall or, a, you know, or, or multiple projections around the room. Yeah. Like what's something that they could do to, to enhance again, that experience, enhance the safety, the trust, the, the generosity and the inspiration. For sure. So yeah, a couple different things here. First of all, I love that you bring up the AV component because we are, we are an event production company, but we're not going to tell an organization to invest in a hundred foot led wall just for the sake of investing in a hundred foot led wall. Right. The technology is there to serve the mission and yes. to connect people. Yes. Like the LED walls with, you know, the display walls yep. with the family stories. Um, one of the things you can do when you have technology in the room is a simple survey. So Ooh. indulge me on this. Okay, I'm with you. You can do a, um, a think about doing a survey where everybody scans it. The screen has a QR code when people walk in. Yep. You got some intentional music playing. Maybe the band's playing or a DJ's right. playing. People are seated at their table. They're invited, not controlled or required, yep. but invited into a survey activity where they scan a QR code. And on that QR code, a question pops up. And maybe the question is, how long have you been giving to our nonprofit? Ooh. And in real time, we can display those results on the screens behind us okay. or the screen. Okay. And then we ask all the donors, oh my gosh, we've got people in here that have been giving for 20 years, for 10 years, for five years. Can those donors just stand up in the room real quick oh, just wow. to be recognized? They stand, we applaud them, they sit down. Now, all of the donors that are here tonight for the first time, can you all stand oh, so we can recognize oh, you? This. So then those donors stand now. Taking it one step further, now we connect the 10-year donors yep. to the first-time donors. Hey, by the way, we're going to take five minutes, do a very quick connection activity. All of you donors out there that have been involved for more than five years, go find a first-time donor, yes. give them a high five, tell them you love them, tell them that yep. they're gonna, they're, they want to become you, right? We want yep. them to become you. Yes. Let them know maybe your greatest moment or your greatest memory of being a part of this nonprofit. Absolutely. Boom. Now you've created, you continue to create that element of community and connection in your space. And you made people feel like this is a place that I want to be. 
it, it, it's a community they want to be within. This is the village that they want to they want to gather around the campfire and, and, and break bread. And that's what is happening at these at these events is, is, is it's I mean, it's a very ritualistic activity. We're eating, we're drinking, we're sharing stories together. There's going to be celebration. Um, there's going to be tears. Um, there's going to be activity. There's action where people are now literally bringing to the table some of their harvest from the year yeah. and they're able to share that to affect the village as a whole. They're, you know, they're there to uh, affect uh, the, the, the community around them, whether it's kids, whether it's animals, whether it's a particular, um, you know, conservation fund, but whatever the nonprofit's mission is, it's that village gathering around that. And I love the, the, the feeling of a elder, of the village now welcoming a newcomer yeah. to the village to say we embrace you we welcome you to our tribe to our village to be a part of this and we want you to be with us yes. and and like how safe now does a first time donor feel in the paddle raise to then raise their paddle to say i am one of these and and the the enthusiasm of your returning donor your tenured donor that when the you know when it, it's like oh it's we're at the $10,000 level. They're like, I'm in. And they, they feel so good about it. But yes, you know, a new donor might not be able to give at that $10,000 level when they get to the $100 level. Like it's it's cards all over and you have all of these donors. And, and that's the magic of events. That's the magic of the transformation from a guest to a donor. Yeah. Or the transformation from a first-time donor to a tenured donor. That's that transformation that can happen by having an activation just like that just like you had said we're creating more connection for the community that's that connection creating the content giving context of like this is what we do at this event this is what we do is give this yes. is our culture of philanthropy within our village if, if if you don't want to be a part of our village get out but this is what we do and this is how we do it so i, lo I absolutely uh, i love that so now We've done that. We've gathered. We've connected. We're breaking bread. And now it's program. It's mm. program time. Um, I get the question all the time. And and I just want to see if I'm right or if, I, if I'm wrong. What what? How long do you feel a, a, an optimal program can and should be for a typical gala style ballroom event? Mm. <sighs> Two hours. No. 90 minutes. An hour, 45 minutes, 35 I, minutes. I would say like between, th what would you say? Well, that's, that's, uh, that, that's, it's a, a loaded question. It is because a loaded question. It's a depends question. Yeah. But what I am seeing is that we're seeing more successful events, the shorter the program is. Sure. So where, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, they always used to say the average uh, attention span of an adult was like 45 minutes. That's why college classes had to be 45 minutes or less to, you know, have, the people to stay and actually learn. Well, not, I think it's shrinking. I think yeah. it's now like 35 minutes, 25 minutes, like the, the, like a YouTube video kind of uh, you know, algorithm. They're saying, you know, okay, long content can be content till about 20, 25, 35 minutes. And people will pay attention to that. Otherwise we got to break it up into two parts because uh, nobody's going to be it. And same thing at in, in, in event programming from when the first person steps on stage to say, welcome. Thank you. This is why we're here to the last person, whomever that is, says, thank you so much. We had a record-breaking night. Good night. Like like that that span right there, I'm thinking like maximum 35 minutes. And you in there, you have all your fundraising, you have all your storytelling, you have all your awards recognition yeah. and whatnot. And, and, and that's like, I think that's the size of the sandwich that we have now. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, and I think it's, 
it is critical to hire a professional fundraising auctioneer and step step out of the way. Right. I think that I was at a gala last week as a guest and well-intentioned, beautiful souls oh, were on stage. Yes. The CEO and the co-founder. Yes. And oh. they went for 45 minutes and they laughed and they cried and the audience laughed and cried with them. But they then went into the auctioneering themselves. Ooh. So I think what the best thing that you can do as a nonprofit is to know your superpower yep, yep, and yep. hire the experts to come in and compliment you and to be a synergistic where yes. you don't have superpowers, right? Right, right. And so if you want to tell your story, tell your story in a three to six minute video. Yes. And then allow the pros like yourself to come on stage and deliver those results on your behalf. Right. That, if that in and of itself is the only change you make <laughs> yes. at your next event, you will be well on your way to exponential growth. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, I, that's a huge, a huge shift. And and not to be you know biased within that because you know I do make my living as a fundraising auctioneer and MC. It it's like even in the keynote today, Siri was talking about like what's like what's that thing that you need to change in the world? What is that passion that you have? You see something that is an injustice that needs to be fixed. This is my fix. This is what I and you we're we're talking about right now is enhancing the experience. I would say if we took a poll of the 600 attendees that are here at Ray's, how many of them have experienced the, what I call the record scratch or the you moment at an event? Like, why is that happening, people? Why are we even allowing or, or putting that in the, the, the opportunity that that could ever happen at the, where you have all the visibility of every guest at an event? Like, why? Would you take a gamble on somebody saying something so distasteful it turns everybody off or go on forever and ever? And now all of a sudden that 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 very short window of attention span that you had just disappears. You watch the I've, I've seen, I have seen this happen and, and I've been trying to fix this. But you see the build, the build, they're climbing the fundraising mountain. They're getting to that point And you're like, there's the golden goosebump moment. We need to ask for money. And then they keep going 10, 15, 20 minutes later. And you've lost all momentum. You've lost all inspiration. You've lost because now we've gone into too many drinks. We've gone into too long of stories. People are like, I want to hang out with my friends. I want to talk. And now the audience then takes over and you're not optimizing that, that program to what it truly can be. I also think what you're sharing to the audience is that you don't respect their time. You know what? And, and that, that, that's, uh, that's such a big piece. That's the biggest way to break trust is to yes. say that here's our program and we promise you we're going to have you out of here at this time. Right. And then to go rogue on stage for 90 minutes, 60 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And it's like the program then goes longer. Yes. The quickest way to have a higher donor attrition and break trust is to not respect and honor them as a human being and them as a community. I, I've, I've had a conversation with a, um, how you say a uh, serial event gala donor or attendee like they go like that's their social network is they're at a gala 
two, three times a week, like in gala season. And I've asked him, I, I asked him, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, sir, like what, like, what is that thing that either turns you on or turns you off? And just what you said right there, it's the respect for the audience that's there to give them the best experiences possible within your budgetary, you know, however, but he's like, if it's too loud, the audience is going to take over. If it's too quiet, the audience is going to take over. If it's too dark, if it's too light, if the speaker that you have up there is not engaging, is not, you know, in, in, you know, in inspiring or whatever, like we're going to take over. If that, you know, funny uncle that you have on stage is disrespectful to us, the audience is going to take over. And they're like, no, this is not your gal anymore. This is ours. And this is like from the word, from the mouth of the donor. And I'm like, this happens. He's like, it happens a lot unconsciously because once the, that disrespect happens from the presenting entity, whether, you know, it's the nonprofit or even in corporate events that happens as well too. Yeah. They're like, we're, we're not investing or like the, the audience is, is seeing they're like, okay, they're not investing in my experience. They don't care what I feel. They don't care what I think they don't. I mean, they want my money, but they're not, they're not respecting my time and my attention that they will, they'll turn, they'll flip on a dime and, and, and then take over this. There's been many times I've, I've come in after, you know, the, you know, the, the pro bono auctioneer, I've come in with the, Oh, we've used the ballroom sound and the ceilings. And, and they're always saying like the, the nonprofits are always saying, it's like, yeah, nobody paid attention. They just kept talking during the fundraising. They talked during the auction and the paddle raise and they never had the focus. And I start asking them, I'm like, okay, well, did you use a professional sound company? What was your storytelling? Like, how long was your program? They start checking all these boxes off and I start to see, I'm like, okay, you didn't respect your audience's attention. You didn't respect their presence in that room and give them what they want. They want to feel good. They want their hearts to open. They want to give you money. You have, you have to give them that opportunity to do that. So, so I start to check all the boxes. And I'm like, okay, these are very easy fixes. And for anybody that's out there that's watching and listening, whether you're here at Ray's or you're not. Start, Hi, by the way. Yes. <laughs> start checking your boxes with you know, with your partners, your collaborators that, that are within this yeah. AV companies, your event planner, your auctioneer, your fundraising consultants, your, you know, photographers, all of these people are there to make your event be better for your donors. And, and once you start to bring everybody to the same page and start to have those conversations and those, you know, those, those connections within your producing team, then that's where the event is just like going to open up and everybody's like, Oh my God, that was so awesome. Because that's what we wanted to say. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then it's that experience that then ties in with the brand of the nonprofit. And then they get the call Monday morning. Thank you for coming to our event. We had a great time. Can we go to coffee? They're like, yeah, totally. That was great. That was great. So so we've got a few more minutes because, again, I know there's only a 35-minute attention span and we don't want to – we don't want to disrespect Touché. your time. You, you know, we've got to make sure that you get some good stuff in here. So programs happen. They've had a great event. This has been awesome. And now we're kind of getting to that last piece of bread and we're moving, you know, we're moving on. What are some things, you know, storytelling, content, connection wise that a that a nonprofit could do immediately following the thank you, good night. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here moment. Sure. So um, great question. Really good question. A couple things. So I was actually a donor at an event. Okay. And this happened. And so sometimes we tell the lighthearted stories. Other times we tell the real gut-wrenching, emotional, raw stories right, that just right. yep. tug your heart out. Right. Yep. So that was this particular event. It was a little girl. Her name was Hannah. 
and she was battling a terminal illness. And all she wanted to do was go and see uh, Taylor Swift in concert. So group of a couple hundred of us in a room, that video plays and it's incredibly emotional because she admitted that she doesn't have long and she knows it, which is so sad. No eight, nine year old should ever feel those feelings and that deal with that. Um, and her parents were beside themselves, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so the CEO of that particular nonprofit stepped on stage and said, Hey, there's blank uh, note cards in front of all of you. We're going to write Hannah a letter. So a group of us that didn't know her, we all wrote her words of love, anything on our hearts and our minds that we wanted to share, words of encouragement. We love you. We support you. You don't know us, but we know you and we know your story. And by the way, your wish is going to come true. And we sent those off to Hannah. Now to answer your question, they closed the impact loop. Okay. After the event, two months later, I got a video texted to me. And it was Hannah reading our letters. No way. She was reading our letters. And then we got to see her go backstage and meet Taylor Swift. And at the end of the video, it mentioned that Hannah was no longer with us. But we as a donor community made her wish possible. And and we got to see her reading our letters, right? Because it's like the impact of like, where is this going to end up? Right. Um, that, That impact loop was closed. It's been eight years since I attended that event. Yep. And I still remember the visceral, raw emotion eight years later. Yes. It's been one of the most impactful things I've ever experienced as a donor. That, that right there was created with intention. That, that experience, what you're feeling right now, eight years later, was designed by a, a team coming together to collaborate, to, you know, looking at the, the gala as, as, as a very, very, you know, like almost a spiritual experience that that does affect the souls and the hearts of donors that are there. And it's that type of experience that a, a, you know, you as a nonprofit professional, an event planner, a development director, CEO, whatever, someone that's in charge of organizing your gala, this is the responsibility that you have. And, and here at raise we're, we're working together to, to empower our fearless fundraisers to then think outside the box, create moments like that, plant those seeds in the hearts and minds of donors that are going to live for years and years and years. And so I, so I want to ask, cause I was like, are you still a donor for that organization? I am. That's it right there. Bingo, right on the nose. And, and, and it's not the first gift that yes, we want to get as big a gifts. And, and it's always in our hearts to, to make a, an event as, as record breaking as it can, but it's not the gift that happens at the event. It's every gift that happens after the event. And that's, that's the key thing that I think often gets missed when planning events. Cause I was, you know, here, like I have conversations with lots of new friends and I ask them like, how's your event? And, and not here at Ray's because they're all, you're, they're, a lot of them are doing it right. They're like, oh, it's great. But there's a lot of times I'm at other association, you know, conventions and conferences and different things. And I ask them, or I tell them I'm in events and they're like events. Ugh. That, like, that's just their feeling. And if that's the feeling they bring into the event, that's interesting. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's I, because they're here it happen. <laughs> their expectations, like the, the expectations that are placed on nonprofits are yes. unreasonable and unattainable. It, terrible. Yes. Yeah, and they're like, you, okay, you have to put on this mega multi-million dollar event and don't spend any money on it. Yeah. Yeah. Or don't and spend also, any time on it. Do everything that you do as a director of development while simultaneously planning an event. That's a full-time job. Oh, yeah, because they're superhumans. I mean, you can do everything, right? No. I mean, it's not like they have kids or school or soccer Or a life. Or a life or a spouse or 
you know, a cat or a dog they want to actually hang out with, or maybe even hobbies. Yeah. You know, six months leading into the gala, you have to do everything you can to make this. It, it, it's not reasonable. And, and it's, it's, it's coming together and creating a team of collaborators, uh, whether they're vendors, whether they're volunteers, whether they're committee, whether they're chair people, uh, or, you know, built within that, but it's looking at, okay, who do we need to bring into the team? What is the goal that we're trying to do? And what's the plan that we're using to get there? And I think if, if you can think about where, where you want to end up and then gathering that team and that plan to set that moment that's in your heart, just like you, you showed eight years later, that, that that's that's the long-term goal within, and that's the focus that we have to have as we're creating events. By the way, another interesting thing, the thing that we're doing right now is something that you all could and should be doing at your events. So like when you go into the planning process, you should be thinking about your content strategy. This is yep. a conversation we have with all of our clients. Yes. Like this recording a podcast on site at an event is brilliant. We're going to walk away with hundreds of pieces of content. Love it. And every single time the content is going to be shared, one cause is being promoted. Yep. Right? It's a brilliant strategy on their part. So who are the podcasters out there that care about your mission, that care about what you care about? Go out there and ask them, instead of printing their logo on a piece of paper or putting it up on a projector yep. screen or putting it on your social media following that has 100 followers. Yeah. I, mean, I don't mean to be disparaging, but like... It's only funny because it's true. It's only funny because... I mean, there's so many great, you know, smaller nonprofits that, you know, they the director of development and the marketing team, they can't do everything, right? So like, they can't be excellent and, and have a million followers while also juggling the donor base. Right. It's just not possible. Right. So... You can, but you can monetize your event in other ways by offering new sponsorship opportunities like a podcast on site. And it's not only going to benefit the podcaster or the sponsor, it's going to benefit you because every time the content is shared, like what we're sharing here, your nonprofit could be getting promoted. Oh, absolutely. And it's something that lives forever and ever and, and continues to keep that, 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 that 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 seed that that inspirational, just that little spark that's in the heart of everyone that attends that event, and and it's that spark because we're all in competition with so much attention that yeah. that's out there. There's so much that is vying for our our attention these days. But if you can create that moment, your little girl needed to go see Taylor Swift and left that left that video with you and left that moment now planted in your heart for absolute ever that you're you're never going to forget that moment and then now always be a donor forever that's i think that's everything it's critical right on all right well Everyone that's out there in Raise Nation, thank you so much for watching. Uh, and keep going out, make an event happen. Uh, Got to thank Joey from Utopia for coming out and being a part of this, and also setting up all of this cool stuff. Like I'm a <laughs> super geek, and like this is fun. I love this. Love twisting the knobs and all the things. So thanks for being Turn it up, here. Turns down. Yeah. We can do that in the uh, in the post show. Just oh. like mess with all the knobs. Yeah, all that kind of thing. So, <laughs> Joey, thanks again for being a part of this. My name is Bobby D. Thank you for tuning in to Raise Nation, recorded live here at Nashville from the Country Music Hall of Fame. Bobby, thanks for having me. Thanks, Appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Hey, my name is Joey Goon, host of the Impact Roadmap podcast, and I'm here with my friend Barbara. Nice to see you. So we are at uh, Raise, which is uh, one of the largest nonprofit conferences in the country. What's your experience been like, Barbara, so far at Raise? I love the Raise conference. Um, the OnePlus team always delivers, and in fact, always offers to conference. So 
this is a great place for not only really important tactics and strategies and insights for fundraisers, but it creates such an important community. I love the energy. I love seeing so many what they call fearless fundraisers, uh, hashtag fearless fundraisers. And it's just a great place to be amongst others who are looking to make the nonprofit sector strong. So uh, working to make the nonprofit sector stronger, you are, you're coaching and consulting on that. What's your, what is your brand and what's your focus when it comes to helping nonprofits? Yeah. So at Windmill Hill Consulting, um, we're really focused on helping our nonprofits look stronger in the relationships. And we do this with that, that lens of donor retention. It's one of my personal soapboxes that I really bring to the firm because, you know, we've got a crisis in the sector. We've got on average, 60% of nonprofits of buildings are leaving nonprofits, which is we've got um, over the last 20 years, the number of donors has been declining by 40%. The number of volunteers has been declining. That's sort of the bigger problem we have that we're not paying attention to enough. So hmm. I really think that we've got to be um, reshifting our priorities as nonprofit leaders, as fundraisers, so that we are building relationships with donors and not just randomly doing over asking too many times without thinking about that doing experience in a way that keeps them Sure. I love that you bring that up. I'm actually I'm speaking about um, you know the donor experience and um, kind of talking a little bit about um, neuroscience yeah. and how we thrive in communities. And when you walk into a space like this, and I know that you know th this your approach kind of you have a whole a holistic approach. It's all encompassing. It's not really specific to events per se, but since this is topical, I thought I'd use this as an example to sort of, you know, piggyback on what you just shared. Now, when you walk into a space like this, there's probably 500, 700 people here, right? The first thing that we're asking, we're, we're all asking some version of the, you know, the following two questions is, am I safe? And can I be myself with this community and still fit in? We're asking that whether we're sitting at a table um, you know, like this, or in a session, in a breakout session in the main stage room. And I think that's just, that's not um, specific to people attending just a conference like this. That's ubiquitous across all nonprofits, all communities. Um, and it's all about how do we make people feel seen and heard and, and feel safe and feel connected to the bigger mission and the bigger picture of what the nonprofit is doing. And quite simply, it just comes down to what you shared a moment ago. It's building relationships. 100%. And that culture, thinking about connection, thinking about communities, has to be everything a nonprofit does in their general communications, in their engagements, in their government So, that's where that's only about the organization, but not about celebrating donors, communities, the collective community that makes those results happen. Um, or we have to think about what do we want our donors to, our attendees to walk away from, um, from that event? What do we want them to know? What do we want them to feel? Um, how do we want them to get inspired so that they'll want to do something with our organization, whether it's make it good, whether it's buy that silent option, whether it's volunteer, whether it's spread the word, and amongst other things. So I totally agree. I believe in bringing other science principles into how we think as fundraisers because it's how we think as human beings, right? Yeah. And the sense of community is absolutely essential to um, 
What do you think is like the biggest opportunity for improvement in the nonprofit sector? Because you mentioned something that's kind of alarming that donorship's going down, there's a lot of attrition, people aren't as it's not that it's not that people aren't giving, right? It's that they're maybe giving to one organization and then deciding that I don't feel right here, I'm gonna go somewhere else. Like where's the biggest opportunity for improvement? So there are a couple things. So we, you know, when we look at the Giving USA annual report, which is released every June, um, this year it showed that in 2022 there was half a trillion dollars. So 500 billion was given to nonprofits in 2022, right? And we think that's fantastic. Wow, the American people are so generous, and they absolutely are. But looking behind the, the, the curtain. We are seeing a declining number of donors. It's been a 20-year trend. The number of donors has declined by about 20%, and it's continuing on that donor trajectory. The number of volunteers is also doing. Um, and the, the number of donors who have declined, the majority of them are under $500. 98% of revenue that most nonprofits are receiving. So we have to be thinking how we communicate with the donors. We've got a and have to take the luxury of time to say, all right, we're going to assess all of the communications, all of the touch points that we as nonprofits give to do with our, with our donors. So whether it's our emails, print pieces, um, our web community, our, our, our web pages, the language we use there, the events, how are we communicating with them? How are we creating that sense of community? How are we creating that sense of connection? Are we talking only about ourselves as organizations, right? That's so good. Because the donors need to know, where do I fit in? I think um, we also to be thinking about or rethinking for stewardship. Because so often nonprofits, and they get it because they're super stressed staffs, they're under-resourced staffs. So I totally understand that sometimes it's all they can do to just send out their thing to uh, And it could be something like, on behalf of the board of directors, we're on that, right? Nobody wants to hear on behalf of the board We want it, I want to get, I want to know, did my gift, A, did you get my gift? B, is my gift going to do something? So that must have come through in that thank you. And it has to not just be feel perfunctory. It has to feel like, oh, girl, stop the process. I just got your gift and I want to say, it has to be that feeling that the donor will receive that will feel. We always say, um, People come really for three reasons. When you're talking about and I'm bringing up events because we, you know, we're an event company. We're at we're at the raise event, and I'm thinking like people come to events really for three reasons. And but we always kind of play with it and say, well, they come for two, but they come back for one. And that third reason, when we ask when we ask our nonprofit, you know, executive directors, directors of advancement, directors of development, we ask them like, what are your goals for your event? What do you think their number one answer is? More money. Yes. Yeah. And we say, well, what are your goals as, what are what are the goals for your donors, for your 10-year donors? Well, I don't know. What are your goals for your sponsors? Don't know. Yeah. What are your goals for your new first-time donors? Not sure. That's a more difficult question for them to answer. And so we do such a great job at events knowing what our goals are. And realizing that our number one goal is to raise more money. And to do that, we believe the best way and most effective way to raise more money is to connect people with our mission. Yeah. 
But the biggest thing that we see that is missed is what you just shared and that underscores this entire conversation. And it's that we fail oftentimes to connect people with each other. That's the reason why people come back. They come for the content. They, they come for the connection, but they come back for the community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the through line. We got to nail that. 100%. And it's, you know, it's um, going back to neuroscience. Um, we as human beings, we want to feel, we'll feel safer in community, right? Because it goes back to prehistoric times when if we were safety in numbers, we weren't going to get eaten by the lion. Right? Yes. So we want to know, am I with others who believe in the same missions, same causes that I do? Am I part of a community that's helping to solve whatever that problem is? Um, am I not part of that community that's doing destroying the environment, um, you know, attacking civil liberties, you know, human rights, and so on? So it becomes a sort of who am I with? What's my community as a donor? And so the language we use as a nonprofit, I mean, fundraising materials has to be conveying that you know donors like you or you care about free speech like we do. And your gift is going to do this, this, and this. And that automatically signals to the donor, like, I'm with people who believe and share the same options and conditions, and I'm going to fight those others who are doing the things that nothing causes them to help to you. You just shared some ninja tricks there. Do you, um, do you coach at all on NLP, on neuro linguistic programming? So, um, not yet, but I just finished uh, the Institute for Sustainable Philanthropies uh, Philanthropic Psychology class course. So okay. I, certificate. I haven't gotten my certificate officially yet. So fingers crossed, it will be my final project will be approved. Um, but yeah, it uh, it was it, um, an eight week course um, that was run by Dr. Adrian Sargent and Jen Chen, Dr. Jen Chen's team. It was fantastic. It dove into the sort of neuroscience and all of the languages, the language choices, and it was fantastic. It was so eye-opening. So those are some of the tips that I uh, have sort of ingrained in my own thinking about how I now approach nonprofit partners. That's awesome. What was this course? So it's with the Institute of Sustainable Philanthropy over in the UK. Okay. Adrian Sargent and Dr. Jen Shang. Uh, they are um, just have been incredible thought leaders and researchers, uh, academic researchers on philanthropy for I think 25 years plus. Uh, and so I had the great honor to work with uh, Adrian a couple of years back when we uh, partnered on a project on development plan. Uh, and so I was really, they've now launched a certificate program. They do a travel work courses as well. And so this one was just, was just an incredible um, value time. I definitely encourage people to That's awesome. Yeah. So what's your what's your background? We probably should have started there, but I just got super excited to like dive in because our, our time in the broadcast studio is so limited. But what's your what's your background? How'd you get into this line of work? Uh, so it's the typical fundraiser story. I just fell into this. I was looking for a summer job in college uh, and I called up the alumni office where I was going to school and I said, hey do we have any summer um, I ended up just working as an assistant and development director during the summer. I stayed on as a part-time uh, you know, a student worker during that uh, senior year. And I just, uh, when I graduated, I thought, well, I don't really know what I want to do. So I took a job in fundraising. I worked at, um, at Harvard. And I just thought, well, I'll do this until I figure out what it is I want to do. Uh, and at some point, I realized that I went through a couple iterations of what I, what I wanted to do inside the fundraising space and outside. And I realized that 
I really liked um, advancing causes. I really liked working with donors. I really liked thinking about nonprofit strategy and management. Uh, and so here I am 30 years later, and I can't, I don't have the excuse now to say I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. Uh, I've had the great honor to work with a lot of different organizations, both in house for about 15, 16 years. And now with my consulting firm, you know, we've worked with some incredible partners who are doing really powerful work around the world. That's amazing. Is there a particular cause that you're really excited about right now? Like that you're, and I don't, I don't want me to put you on the spot because I'm sure you work with a lot of noble causes. There are many nonprofits out there that are doing fantastic work. Is there one in particular that you're like, wow, this group is really doing something that I'm, I'm excited to get behind? Yeah, I can't really... I can't prioritize one to the other. They are all doing incredible work, whether it's um, getting, whether it's training medical professionals uh, in countries where there's the lack of medical professionals um, in her company. Yeah. So there's, there's um, in providing really virtually life-saving, life-changing experiences, whether it's working to get more women in politics, whether it's um, working to advance the role of women and girls throughout the world, um, whether it's helping those who are deaf and hard of hearing and the students. I mean, there's so many great causes. Um, I can't I can't choose one. They're all That's doing incredible work. That was an unfair question. It was in, in a sense it was loaded unintentionally. <laughs> um any you didn't fall for it. <laughs> That's fair. You didn't uh any any um pro tip advice that you would give to nonprofit experts or professionals that are um, experts. We're the experts. We're all experts. We're all experts. Right? Absolutely. That's the beautiful part is when you yeah. come from the lens of humility, there's always everything that you learn, you realize like, wow, I know nothing. There's always so much more to learn. 100%. But any pro tips just based on your background in coaching and consulting, um, maybe one or two or three shifts that a nonprofit can make right now that are actionable. So we are right in the throes of year-end planning, right? So I would say really thinking about building, you know, first of all, managing our, uh, our own time and managing our own um, bandwidth. Don't fall into the trap of, um, of trying to get everything. You're not, no, not going to get everything done, okay? But if you start planning now, making sure that you've got a reasonable plan in place that will um, connect with your donors, that will focus on not just asking them for money, but stewarding them, keeping them engaged in lots of different ways, multi-channel for sure. Um, but also think about it in that lens of donor retention, both not just now, but throughout the year, because sure. really your success in the year end is going to be determined by how, what you do the previous nine months. So I think that's number one. And if, if it's you know, here we are in September and it's a little hard to say, well, but I haven't really been thinking from Denver's to now, but I got the year in, I still have to do totally fair. Look at it as a planning opportunity in January once you get through the hurdle of year end. So that's number one. Um, number two, I would say, you know, resist, resist the focus of um, only thinking about revenue that you raise. Again, I get it. There are lots of competing demands for revenue. There's Budgets that have to be met. There are services that will be impacted if the budget's not met. Fundraising is more than just the money that's raised. We know that I talked about the donor retention um, uh, crisis that we're in. So if we're not focused on keeping as many donors as possible, we're, we're going to be just spinning through chunks yeah. every year. So really look at 
what are your own organization metrics? What are your what are your average gifts? What are your first time donor retention metrics? Uh, and again, because on our national average, the twenty percent of people who make a first time gift are going to be are going to make a second. Eighty yeah. percent of those people are not coming back. So think about your fundraising strategy in through the lens of not just money raised, but how are we doing with our donor retention, our first time donor retention, our average gift? Those three metrics right there are going to feature the health and sustainability of your fundraising strategy over time, much more than the money, because the money you might be able to raise each and every year, but if you're doing it through churn, you are not going to sustain yourself. It's so true. Such great points. Do you um, Are you familiar with uh, Test Gift? I'm not. So I have a friend, his name is Kurt, uh-huh. and him and his wife are very philanthropic uh-huh. and he runs a foundation. He's got a, a multi-generational family business that he runs. It's a very big company, uh-huh. has a foundation and they give away millions of dollars to charity every year. And so um, they go to, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 charity events annually yeah. and they always give a test gift. And the test mm-hmm. gift is a hundred dollars, thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, a small amount for them that is like a test to see how the charity follows up with them. And if he gets a generic form letter in the mail, that's a rubber stamp from the CEO or executive director, he's moving past it. That ends up in a waste can. But if he gets a personalized phone call that says, why did you give? What motivated you? Can we get coffee so I can learn more about you? His ears perk up. If the conversation goes well and there's mission alignment with his foundation and that particular nonprofit, um, that nonprofit could go from getting a thousand dollar test gift to a hundred thousand dollar you know grant from his foundation or yeah. half a million dollars. Yeah. And so, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, you have to go further and realize that the fortune is in the follow up. Yes. And if you're if you're utilizing events as a way to get those first time donors and to get them excited, events are expensive. Yeah. And so we could continue to churn and do events unintentionally every single year, but we got to realize those individuals in the room, how many Kurtz might there be in your audience that are testing and they may not even like he puts a label on it. Yeah. Most people don't realize they're doing that, but if you follow up with them thoughtfully and they're like, "Oh wow, they care about me." Yeah, how much further can that relationship go? You know what? That's a great story, and I and I 100% agree with you. And in fact, for so many first-time donors, um, and I, I'm going to quote Tom Ahern on this. He talks about it that the first-time gift is like they're paying it; they're showing the attention. They're not in it yet, right? And and I 100% agree with that. And I, when I'm working with, when we're working with clients, and they're going to be doing an event, whether it's a small group gathering or a larger event. We're always thinking about what is that follow-up. And I'm oh, I'm constantly saying the event can't be for the event's sake. Can't be just to have a nice party. It has to be what is it that again, you know, we want to be conveying, how do we want our donors to feel? And especially then, how do we follow up with them to hear their experiences? You know, so we might say, um, have board members or staff again given whatever the capacities of the staff, we might say, have board members. Call a few of those attendees and say, we just want to say thank you. We'd love to hear your experience. What was something that you came away with from, yeah. from that event? Because with, without that follow-up, even, again, if staff capacity or volunteer capacity doesn't allow that, 
do something, send a letter, send an email, you know, follow up with this quick survey questions, but do something so that the, the attendee feels like you paid attention, you noticed they were there, or you noticed that they couldn't come, right? That's also um, that they weren't able to come and you want to still follow up with them because it is about those personal relationships at the end of the day. Okay, I have one last anecdote. Yeah. You mentioned not able to come. We have a school that we work with in Chicago and their largest donor couldn't attend the event. Uh -huh. So the head of school called us and said, we want to do a hybrid event. They're in wherever they were. I think they were in like, uh, they were traveling yeah. in Virgin Islands somewhere and um, with their family during the time that the auction was happening. And, but they still wanted to participate. So we made it possible, the largest donor of the school for them to participate. And we brought them up on the screens Fantastic. in the room. So they were able to wave to all their friends. Fantastic. We had cameras in the room yeah. so they could like mingle at the table that they were typically at. We put cameras around the table so yeah. they could still talk to those folks and feel like they were connected to yeah. the community, awesome. even though they were half halfway around the world. Yeah. That donor ended up, the hybrid technology was maybe $10,000, $15,000 for us to bring it into the space with all the cameras and the gear. And that donor donated $60,000, $70,000 back to the organization because they made it possible yeah. for him and his wife, um, or his wife and him rather, yeah. to still be involved in the event. Yeah. And so if people can't come, no, no may be an answer. But perhaps what they're asking for is, do you care enough about me to figure out a way for me to participate, yeah. even though I can't physically be in the space? Right. Well, and also for those organizations that maybe are not, they don't have that capacity to be able to do it, yep. clicking into the phone or going through that roster to say, who did we invite? Who's not able to come? Can we do some personal follow-up to say, I'm so sorry you weren't able to come. I'd love to just tell you a little bit about what we shared. Or maybe you video some of it and send it to them and say, this is what we missed. We're sorry you couldn't be there in person to share it with us, so right? And it's just, we had, we saw so many great examples in 2020 when all the in-person events from virtual couldn't happen. So we saw so many great examples of virtual events that were able to create that same sense of connection back to the cause. Because yes, these events are always about community with each other, but, um, but they're also about the mission, right? What's bringing them around the table? And sometimes, yeah, it's somebody who's invited them and maybe they're just doing it because that person invited them. But often enough, it's they're curious about what that cause is. And like your friend Kurt, they're, they're going to sort of test it, but they're not 100% sure if this is um, something that is a long-term philanthropic priority for them. So all the ways that you can create that sense of connection back to your mission is going to be really important and, and it could be as simple as like someone holding a phone in the bit in the room night off and then emailing it out to say we're so sorry you couldn't be with us absolutely yeah um i love the idea too of like your phone is your content device now yeah you don't have to have highly produced content every single time you put out a piece of video right um so like we could just record a quick video for that particular donor or group of donors yeah. with other individuals that care about them in the room yeah. to say, Hey, give a shout out to, you know, Barbara, she yeah. can't be here, but we want to send her love. 100%. Yes. Record that quick video, text it over to them and just lets them know that you're thinking about them. That's really good advice. That's awesome. Thank well, thank you so much for being here on the impact roadmap podcast. We're at Ray's Nation in the broadcast booth at the Ray's conference in Nashville. Uh, we hope to see you all here next year. Last question is, where can people get in touch with you if uh, if they want to learn more about you and your services? Yeah, they can go to our website, whillconsulting.com. 
W Hill Consulting. We'll put that in the show notes. And uh, thanks for tuning into the Impact Roadmap Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for being a guest. Good to see you.